Hey everybody, Chris here. This was our live panel from Forest City Comic Con. Um, I was there with Derek and Amy from Guild Two Taps, who were on recently talking talking about Anakin, and we were reviewing the Phantom Menace for its 20th anniversary, which had just passed. Um, Pat unfortunately was not able to make it. Uh, he was stranded on the beaches of Scarif due to an overbooked flight. Um, he couldn't make it back in time for the show, unfortunately. But we soldiered on without him and. Um, had a great conversation actually with with the audience um so you'll hear some audience questions hopefully they come through loud and clear for everybody it was kind of a small room so luckily the microphone was able to get most of it but um apologies if it's a little hard to understand but thanks to everybody who came to the panel and participated your questions were were great and i think we really had a great conversation but uh, enjoy the episode what's up guys i'm daniel logan boba fett from star wars Attack of the Clones and the Clone Wars. You will listen to Call the Portion Podcast. Welcome to the Quarter Portion Podcast. Uh, we are the only Star Wars podcast that knows there's always a bigger fish. Uh, we are a London-based Star Wars podcast. Uh, we talk about everything to do with Star Wars, from speculation to just personal reactions to things. Like today's t- topic, which is the Phantom Menace Revisited. Um, it's the 20th anniversary of the Phantom Menace, and we thought this would be a good chance to kind of reassess one of the most controversial pieces of sci- science fiction my name is Chris DeHoog. I am one of the co-hosts of the Quarter Portion Podcast. My other co-host, Patrick, couldn't be here today. He's stranded down south. Yeah. But I do have my friends Amy and Derek here with me. Hi, guys. Uh, hello. hello. And, uh, yeah. We are, yes. Um, so, yeah, we thought uh, it would be a good topic since it was just the anniversary a few weeks ago to talk about this. So we try to ground things in our personal experience as well. Um, so I want to ask you guys, first of all, when did you first see this movie? So I first saw it when it first came out on VHS, so uh, I was young to go to the movies, so we had to wait until I was able to have it on VHS. My dad was a huge Star Wars fan, um, so he kind of like brought that into my world especially, so that was my first time seeing it was when we first bought it on VHS. Nice. <laughs> uh, I'm pretty sure, yeah, we. my first experience also was the VHS copy, but uh, I believe you... That was your first Star Wars movie in general, yes, right? Yes, it was. Whereas I had watched the original trilogy first, but of course me being, I was pretty young at the time. I was nine years old at Phantom Menace, so I didn't really understand Star Wars, but I liked Phantom Menace. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was 12 myself, actually, when I saw it. Like, I went to the theaters. I was a big... I was I got into it around like before the special editions came out, mm-hmm. um, so I got to see them in the theaters when they got reissued. So I was really excited for this. I bought, I was buying the Pepsi cans and uh, trying to collect all the merchandise before it even came out, and... I remember going to see like Silver City, I think, with my parents and walking out going like, I'm not sure what I expected, but (laughs) that was some of it and some of it wasn't. But um, So fairly, very positive reactions from the first viewing. Hey man, space wizards with laser swords. Yeah, when you're nine and seeing anything like that, it all seems cool, especially like me not seeing the other Star Wars movies to compare it to, to like the previous greatness, right? Because we all know that the original trilogy is its own universe entirely. So to not have that like preconception yeah before seeing anything and going to this like it was still cool the original trilogy is on such a pedestal um for reasons like it 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 deserves its 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 status but at the same time we tend to glorify it a bit too much oh well there's nostalgia nostalgia glorifies everything so it's it's the nostalgia (laughs) rose-colored glasses right yeah Yeah. Um, but yeah like i I, 
like I said, I don't, I don't quite know what I expected. I was 12 years old, which George Lucas says is the key demographic for Star Wars. He said, he's famously said Star Wars is for 12-year-olds, no matter what, uh, despite the fact that I'm 30. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm still just as into it. Um, but I, went, I, I remember walking out. Certain parts, like Jar Jar for me, didn't grab me. Like that was one of the mm-hmm. things I like, I like the least about it, and I think actually this is that was when I kind of got out of Star Wars originally. It was after this movie came out. Not to say I didn't like it, mm-hmm. but something about it. I was like, okay, well there was the hype for all this, and now it's over. Now what? And that was probably like the last Star Wars figure I bought or I got as a kid was the battle droid on the on the on the staff, right. the, uh, the the riding platform thing. Right. Um, so while I liked it, it was also different. Part of what Lucas was getting for or getting at, right? Um, he was trying to show us the, like the halcyon days of, of the Republic and everything. Um, so, how do you feel about the like the different tone of the movie, like in, tone, in terms of like comedy, in terms of how everything's a lot brighter and cleaner? Like, do you feel like it's too disconnected from the original trilogy that way? I think it had to be. We were taking the darkness of Darth Vader and all of his glory and dark side and all, like it basically focused on the dark side so, so heavily with the first trilogy, especially episode four and five, that I almost feel like this is them taking us right back to Darth Vader's roots. And like, he was a kid, like, and he was a kid that was not meant to be just an evil character. We get to see that progression through the prequels. And I think it's kind of neat to try to see, okay, so now we see this young Anakin who is a boy, he's nine years old. You know, should we be seeing him as a dark character, or should it be a progression like, oh, he's this innocent kid who, kid who grew up in unfortunate circumstances, and what's the journey to get to that dark side of Darth Vader? Which I think people grab onto more, so. Right. Yeah. yeah there's a certain expectation that Anakin should have been this Damien Omen kid. Mm-hmm. Like, that's mm-hmm. what I, one of the common criticisms I always hear about it, is that he wasn't he wasn't evil enough in that movie. Well, yeah. you know, he's still the kid. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, for me, it adds to the tragedy of it all that he was the sweet little kid who loved his mom and um, did the best he could with the situation he was in and then that he becomes you know the biggest yeah. monster in cinema later on that's just part of his that just heightens the tragedy for yeah. me. at the same time it may not be super dark but it's still dark enough there's slavery involved there's mm-hmm. assassination plots like there's still darkness within it he just tried to like you said almost lighten it up a little bit mm-hmm. where that's more of the undertone towards it yeah I, I, I think a big part of it too is that he you know, we have the original trilogy sandbox he said, okay, here's the prequel trilogy sandbox. It's over here. Mm-hmm. And it was it's it was not... far removed from where we used to uh, experiencing Star Wars. Right. And then he built a road back through yeah. the rest of the prequels. Right. Now it all kind of makes sense. Back in 1999, I feel like it might have been you know, a little too jarringly different for a lot of people. Which yeah, it, well, it's, it was the first movie now. coming out, so you have all those original yeah. Star Wars fans suddenly excited. It's like all of us, again, getting excited whenever episode, you know, seven came out. Mm-hmm. It's like you're, you're expecting going and being like, this is going to be Star Wars, and then suddenly it's different than what I think a lot of original fans were anticipating, and I think that may have been a shock to the system a lot of it. Mm -hmm. And I think you also have to realize, too, that from the original trilogy to, you know, episode one, it's two decades. A lot changes in two decades, you know, both in cinematography and just general tone. In George Lucas's mind. Yes, (laughs) that too. Yes, yeah, definitely. There's a a documentary on YouTube showing, like, the 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 behind-the-scenes of, like, the origins of it. And there is a brightness in his eyes that you just don't see anymore. Yeah. Like, um, mm-hmm. what, like whatever happened to him in the 20 years since this, this movie came out. There, there's a spirit in there that's kind of been broken, I feel. <laughs> it's because they kind of made me look like, George, you can be there and look pretty, but we're going to take over the brain work now. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> that's a whole other issue. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we actually recently watched this movie as a group. Um, mm-hmm. How did you react or respond to it now? Like, how, how, how has your perception changed? 
I was surprised how much I liked it as a nine-year-old child because the beginning especially is so slow. Like it's all political intrigue. It talks about like the taxation and the trade federation. I'm like, how is a nine-year-old in this being like, this is cool. Like there's no way I should have thought it was as interesting as it was. So whatever flips and tricks that he was able to do to pull that off, kudos to him. Cause even for me, it wasn't the Jar Jar thing. I remember as a kid, I didn't care about him. I was all about Darth Maul. I thought that was like the coolest, like seeing him for the first time with his cloak and the different visualization for his face and everything like that was just like the coolest thing. And I remember that was what drew me in specifically yeah. as a kid. So yeah. And like I said, same here. I had no idea anything about the taxation, you know, why the blockade was there over Naboo, what they were even fighting about. It's like, Watching it again, you know, recently, it's like, oh, okay, this this makes sense. Now I know why they're fighting. Yeah, now I get it. Now I you get know. it. Yeah. Adulting. Before, yeah. yeah, basically before, just like, okay, fighting and laser swords and guns and planes. Yeah, sure, they're talking a lot, and now they're flipping around and doing cool exactly. stuff. Exactly. Yeah. I, can, I can deal with the rest. But still, like, it's it's nice to see, to the transition from the original trilogy, even just in, like, the, you know, uh, Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon fighting Darth Maul. It's like, that was really intense. Like, that was a really cool battle. Yeah, I would say that's probably my choice for the best lightsaber battle in the entire franchise, mm-hmm. like movies and TV shows combined. Yeah, um, yeah, I would say that like I, well, I never thought it was a bad movie. I certainly didn't like it a whole lot compared to the rest of the series. Yeah. Um, I, although I was pleasantly surprised by how much I enjoyed it now. Yeah. Um, like I said, some of that political stuff can be kind of dry. Right. Yeah. But I, I was more into it this time. It was more like what I did. What I did. What I did enjoy now is that I feel like the Jar Jar and the Gungans are just kind of shoehorned in. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that's just kind of forced in, like the right. pod racing Definitely. and certain things that Lucas wanted to, to bring into it. Because um, Lucas really wanted Jar Jar to sell the thing. Like He really wanted it to be... Well, that was supposed to be what was bringing in, the in the kids, trilogy. right? It's like with the new series they had, like for whenever the Clone Wars like movie came out, um, the cartoon version, they had like the Ahsoka come in for the kids, and so like I feel like he always has like this one, this one character that comes in to like draw the kids in to then grow up with it. Which mm-hmm. again, it's got to work because we're bringing in a whole new generation. Like your daughter's what turning four shortly, yeah, yeah. and she's in love with Star Wars. Like Ray's mm-hmm. her hero, yeah. so like it works. Um, it's just as an adult, you kind of have to like. Push that to the back burner whenever it's a bit overdone, because it definitely does get overdone. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how he would have planned to use Jar Jar as that vehicle moving forward, because he's, he's a clown. Like, he's great as a, as a jester-type character, yeah. but it's room for growth and development, and for even associating with him, it's not, you know, it's not a lot of potential there. <laughs> and we kind of discussed it, too, is that, you know, for a character that was in, in the entire movie, like, what did he really do? Yeah. <laughs> he's in a lot of scenes, and he just kind of hangs out, but... Do you have some questions? Oh, Jar Jar here. With Jar Jar, have you guys ever heard of uh, the Sithboard theory about him? And that he, George Lucas abandoned that in the sequels, the prequel sequels. Right, yes. Uh, but that's why he was set up and had such prominence in the first episode. <laughs> I've heard about it, and some of the evidence you hear for it kind of makes sense. Like, maybe he was thinking that. Very glad he didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you can't buy, I can't buy that character as, as that evil, right? Um, there's actually a great adaptation of the movie um, by, by an author called Ian Dosher. He converted it all to Shakespearean language. And I'm a bit of a Shakespeare nerd, but he turns Jar Jar into this very cunning, like Machiavellian villain who's behind everything. Like he's playing dumb in all the scenes in the movie, but he's actually engineering things. I can get into that, but him as a Sith Lord using the Force, I can't. Yeah, yeah I'm just not fine with that. Okay, in retrospect, what would you think of Watto? Oh, yeah, definitely Jewish stereotype, but still, even like there's a lot of stereotypes that are in Star Wars for pretty much everything that he has. Like, he even within this movie, too, the Mm -hmm. um, oh, 
blank on the name of the priest in the, in the beginning. Uh, Newt Gunray and the... Oh, the, the Viceroy. I'm audience, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And like, they're a very bad stereotype in themselves. Yeah, like it's, exactly. Yeah. So, like, even though the stereotypes, like, I personally thought Wada was awesome. I thought he mm. was, like, a totally cool character because, like, he was just so, like... Uh, he's the, the guy that was Anakin's slave master. The Tordarian. Yeah, the Tordarian. Yeah. I heard people say that was kind of a rip off of Italians. Don't look at me. There's, a, there's a bit of crossover. Yeah, I could, I could see that. I could see that. But it's obviously Fagin Malik. Yes. yes. Yeah. 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 Who was yeah. the leader of the, the Jar Jar people? Oh, the Gungan. Yeah, Boss the Gungan Nass. King Boss Nass. Nass. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's one thing that's kind of cringy about the movie now by today's standards that it yeah. just does kind of rely on those stereotypes no same I was like how is this guy the king he was force persuaded so easily but then yeah. you have Watto and that's why I liked him I'm like just, oh yeah. he couldn't even get force persuaded by Qui-Gon and Qui-Gon's <laughs> awesome <laughs> yeah do you have uh, another question yeah well, I was just going to say the one thing I, I felt about the prequels as opposed to the originals and the new one it was always when I was growing up good guys and bad guys and the good guys fight the bad guys right like Star Wars the other ones seem more like Star Trek with all the political stuff and the talking and the this and that. I don't yeah. go to see Star Wars and see Star Trek. I like Star Trek. Yeah. But it seemed like that they were trying to make pieces of it more. Like Star Trek was always in some way more realistic. Yeah, they but tried that, to make more realistic. They took the fantasy out of the Star out of Star Wars basically and tried to just yeah, make that, it strictly sci fi, right? I, they I, I personally just thought it was good guys and bad guys. There was politics, but enough for kids to be interested. The other one was just Star Trek. Yeah, like that's something that's kind of missing. It's it's obviously there because in the, in the original trilogy, because it's a yeah. it's a rebellion against an empire, so it's a different kind. Yeah, of Yeah, but it was it wasn't the main focus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wasn't yeah, the main focus. Phantom yeah. Menace half of it is about a trade blockade mm-hmm. on the planet. Yeah, um, well, kind of understanding how the galaxy works, right? And the yeah, you know, but that's Star Trek. That's not Star Wars. Yeah, I, I I feel like there's room to grow in different directions. Like you can take you can take Star Wars into any genre in the right medium, mm-hmm. right? Like there's, there's some great Star Wars comics that are really heavily horror based. And like, yeah. while that might not might not work on the big screen, I feel like it really works in you know a book, or even a, there's a modern Battlefront too, uh, where you're basically being hunted by Ewoks. Yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. amazing. There's, 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 there's room to do all kinds okay. of genres. They, they I think. Work better really than cool. the Ewok. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. You have to find a balance with it because mm. episode one, especially like that's what I was just mentioning. I found that there was so much into like the Trade Federation and the blockade and like all of that, and I'm just like there was too much, and there was really like three-ish lightsaber scenes in the whole movie for like the Star Wars movie so I agree I think that it should have been a bit more balanced towards seeing the good versus evil Um, yeah Mm -hmm. but but I do think that because it's such a vast universe and because I mean at the end of the day I also don't want a movie that's just a lightsaber battle I want to have backstory yeah I know (laughs) I want to have like the backstory and knowing what's happening why they're fighting why it's good versus evil that kind of stuff too I guess they told the story that hasn't been told was the way they told yeah I heard people say that did any of you see the any of the pen events the various pen no I haven't I try not to watch too many of those things but sometimes I find they're kind of dismissive of you know valid things in the movie but I have heard there's some really good yeah, 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 I've heard good things about them. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in comparison to the Disney films, where like does that change your perspective on Phantom Menace, knowing that it, that was at least it was pure Lucas? Does it make it worse? Does it make it better? Like, how do you see it now? Yeah. Yeah, that's so, that one's the heavy topic, isn't it? Yeah. Back to the original film, it was at uh, Brian De Palma. 
Peter Tumquid and his wife is being edited. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Do we be doing the dialogue? Yeah. There's a, there's yeah, a way okay. to see Pure Lucas is kind of a bad thing. Um, mm. Because it, with the original trilogy, he had a lot of help from his wife, from Lawrence Kasdan, mm-hmm. from yeah. all the other. He didn't direct the. He didn't direct Empire or Return of the Jedi. Right. So like, I feel like that's one of the things where the prequels went wrong is that he had too much to do without being checked. Um, yeah, like the directing and writing is not always his strong suit. He's amazing at telling a big story yeah. picture. Yeah, and the mm-hmm. visionary behind it obviously is great. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here today talking about it. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I feel like people are experts in what they're experts in. So tell them your vision, your ideas, and, and let the experts take that and betray it. And like, and uh, sorry, um, Filoni, Dave Filoni uh, takes a lot of things he learned from working with George on the Clone Wars series and applies them to like modern day like Rebels and Star Wars Resistance and the Mandalorian to come. Mm-hmm. So I, I think so long as we you know learn from Lucas and his and his, his passion for this thing he mm-hmm. created and the way he views and what he views the, as the core principles, I think we can take something take that and make something else entirely like the sequel trilogy, which I think are still pretty pure to his vision, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That's why he was talking about the best thing that Disney got it because they for the first time for years they get someone above saying looking at the script and saying this is not acceptable. Yeah, this is yeah. not to the level that we'd want it. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. to say no. Yes. Yeah, yeah and that's it because George Lucas is always like he, especially like we talked about earlier, his ego, right? Like mm-hmm. I can only imagine how great he must feel after the success of the original trilogy. So of course he thinks that I can bring out this prequel and make it awesome, right? I, I, I think I saw a video of the conferencing and he left the room yeah. and he started talking it was like for the first time they able to speak freely yeah <laughs> yeah exactly and so that's yeah. the thing no wonder the prequel tried to think like that if they, if they couldn't be that honest mm-hmm. yeah go ahead maybe another problem is it couldn't really live up to the hype way and yeah exactly so huge people get so much like even me I had my expectations mm-hmm. up here if your expectations were maybe down there yeah, yeah. Well, we yeah, and they might still no, even lower, li- be a little bit under from what it was, but at least you're like, okay, well, it didn't tank like you said, right? Whereas, yeah, the expectations are, it was the first Star Wars movie to come out, like you said, two decades. Two decades uh, so, like, I mean, the original one is the only Star Wars movie to ever be nominated for Best Picture. Wow. But it didn't win. Yeah. <laughs> they're, not, they're not always awesome. Because of so to kind of go off of something like um, from what was mentioned here, like, do you think this was a good setup for the prequels? Like, like do you think Phantom Menace set us up for success in the next two movies? Or I think it could have done a better job at it for sure, but I do. I think that because the whole point of the story is to tell the story of how Anakin got from Anakin to mm-hmm. Darth Vader. But he wanted to know this Darth Vader character, right? And why not? bank on that because everybody loved him Mm. so I think it was a good setup in the sense that they decided to focus on um, a young Anakin and show him through all the way to Darth Vader yeah Mm. go ahead all right um since since we're talking about Anakin now one of the biggest issues that people have Mm -hmm. with um the new Star Wars is that Ray's considered a Mary Sue Mm. Um, would you guys consider Anakin Skywalker in episode one to be a Mary Sue or a Gary Sue I mean it's basically where you can like you can put your own self in that person and it doesn't matter what their personality is. Anyone could be that person. You don't really have any flaws. Everything comes easily to them. Yeah, I, I, I kind of hate that term because it, 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 it's, it's misused a lot, I think. He's a it's nine-year-old kid. More often than not, it's used against Ray in a negative way. Yeah. But there's nothing that she does in, that, in, that, in those movies that Anakin or Luke didn't do in their own debuts. It's, it, it, it's not being overpowered. It's being the protagonist. You're always going to have special powers if you're the protagonist. Otherwise, you wouldn't be the protagonist. Right. The, big problem, the, the big problem is that there's absolutely no sort of justification of bringing nine-year-old 
then you're back into a, the, the war zone. Yes, yeah. we, we, we uh, joked we, we about that speak. quite a bit whenever we watching. Like, why is the kid along yeah. for this? He was just denied training. Like, he shouldn't be here. Or even just yeah. banking <laughs> on the fact that a nine-year-old is going to win a pod race, which eventually got them the parts to fix their ship to get back to Well, yeah, but we all, yeah. Qui-Gon had a feeling about all of that. We have to trust and in the Force with yeah. Qui-Gon at that and point, that I right? Understand so sure, that, that just, part Just I can, to generalize yeah. it and just say, oh, yeah, a nine-year-old kid who can race who's never won a race before. <laughs> it, it's, it's partly Anakin lying to them too and yeah. not telling them certain key information. But. Have any of you seen how it should have ended? The short. Oh, yes. yes. Not yes. for Phenomenon. They had plenty of evidence to prove a military operation. They could have brought the whole, they brought the yeah. whole kid down and kind of, kind of told them on the yeah. wall. Right? Uh, yeah. It's one of those things he's trying to set up that you know the Republic is flawed and that their hands are tied by this, yeah. by this system. Or, the or they, they like to be. They had eyewitness terrorists. Yeah. 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 It's one of those things where you can't poke, you can't look at it too closely, otherwise the whole thing falls apart. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it explained yeah. this better, but the queen was in her twenties and he was nine, and they end up marrying. She was fourteen. <coughs> yeah, she's right. fourteen. So it was a five year. See, yeah. Is, make up. This is the thing with the problem with all of the movies too. Like people saying, "Oh, Han Solo and Solo wasn't Solo. It was a different character. He was too optimistic." But like, there's ten years between that movie and A New Hope. He has ten years of <coughs> being a smuggler and going through everything. Like, and honestly, I, I can even say like myself being a twenty nine year old to my nineteen year old self like completely different people yeah different. like yeah it's only 10 years but that's a huge amount of time for someone to change especially by circumstance i mean and like you said han solo in solo was i mean a little rougher on the edges but at the same time he was still fairly innocent whereas once he you know between that film and, and when he came in new hope like i'm sure he went through a lot of stuff well, he was he was the best he was the protagonist yeah mm-hmm. he was but he only turned around to save the day yeah, Star Wars has always had a bad job of explaining time frames like that. Like, yeah, and that's the yeah. thing. So yeah, there's the age difference only five years at least versus, yeah, thinking she's in her 20s. They play her a lot older when she's, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. The 14 year old queen. Yeah. 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 Mark Hamill said the big problem is that, that, that they didn't have a Han Solo movie that every man, every man to, to, to look at the adventure and saying, are you serious about this? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point, actually. Yeah, you don't really have that sort of character. Um, mm-hmm. You have the, the young boy that you know, the key demographic is supposed to be able to get in behind, but... Yeah, it would have been a different prequel altogether if you started out older, but... Yeah. yeah but. The whole time when we want <laughs> yeah. to, the whole time we want to, like... Are we sure about this? The whole, yeah, if you're well, right, the two pretty much is the whole his, time being his, like. His resting doubt face. Yes, yeah, yeah exactly. Well, yeah. And, and, and Qui-Gon's just like, it's fine. Yeah. And, and, it's and fine. Amy, like, after every scene with Obi-Wan, like, something happens and then, like, they're they're panning out and, like, you just see Obi-Wan in the background shaking, shaking his, his head. head. Like, there's a scene where he's like, walking up the stairs, like, shaking his head, and I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think partially, too, like, Qui-Gon being his master and, you know, Obi-Wan still being a Padawan, like, his voice isn't supposed to be heard. Like, he's not the one well, who, he does. Has, who has the wisdom. He apologizes to Qui-Gon earlier, being like, I'm sorry for disagreeing with you. He's, he's the most Canadian Jedi. Yeah, he is yeah. the most Canadian Jedi, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, speaking, actually, of bad time frames, we looked it up during the movie last night. He's 25. Yeah, he's 25 in, in a Padawan, so that's why I was, like, baffled by, because I'm like, that seems old to still be a Padawan, and, like, Obi-Wan's cool. Like, he's a good Jedi. So, like, I feel like he maybe should have been in Jedi Knight before Whereas 25. Anakin graduates in 10 years. Yes. Yeah. And like, but again, he is, he's supposed to be the most powerful force user and all that stuff. So, like, I get he's excelled. But I'm like, I still feel like 25 usually, I feel like they'd probably be a Jedi Knight by then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, there is also, um, by the time Anakin is near the end of uh, his, um, 
Into it, yeah. There's the war, yes, definitely. I read, I read some theories that are going to have Obi Wan around because you know they finally, they finally got into a good thing after we passed up the whole Taiwan. Yeah, you're actually doing well. Let's yeah, yeah. Please, please stay with me. Yeah. I'll look better. Yeah. yeah, that's one thing that struck me too. Rewatching it again, I thought Obi Wan played a bigger role in the movie. But yeah, but he really do doesn't. A lot. Like, do you, do you think this was a good setup for the character that we knew? He was the one thing that was familiar in the movie. Um, back in 99, do you think he did a good job of... Well, it was portrayed by Ewan McGregor, and I personally like it's exactly that, <laughs> precisely. But then on top of it, like he is a phenomenal actor, and so I think even though he was given little screen time, he still gave that portrayal of Obi-Wan, like the feel of him, mm. um, even if he wasn't a bigger part. Because, I mean, they were trying to introduce Qui-Gon as like this mastorial like, kind of figure, which fantastic job like with Qui-Gon so I think that they were just trying to shift their focus but have him there for for that relativity and then still be like then he gets his bigger role once he becomes like Anakin's master and all that mm-hmm. yeah. you notice that the, 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 the Bruce said that uh, see the, the emotional weakness of Obi-Wan in the final fight but basically when he killed when he killed I mentioned that yeah yeah that's what I said I'm like he's about to go dark side he's about to go dark side I was so excited how much more like the idea this if he cannot hold his temper like that in that same situation no wonder he screwed up with that again exactly yeah exactly you did actually say in an interview that you know he kept going towards and like well what's actually my character and it's like you stand behind the DM just a little bit it's like it's a work it's a work in progress yeah your character is to come you're here to step into your role basically yeah, yeah and once again like i think in the same uh note as anakin like we're, we're seeing an origin story for obi-wan as well in yeah. a sense right where he's this old wise master you know living on tatooine training <laughs> yeah exactly but <laughs> like tra- and trying to train luke but you know we have to see where he starts too right yeah. and so this is kind of his origin where he's like okay he's just a padawan he's learning and Mm-hmm. Yeah, trying to yes. fill out Guinness's That's shoes. Yeah. Big, big shoes to fill. <laughs> big big, big roles to fill. One thing, I mean, this is about the Phantom Menace. That was weird. It seemed Luke seemed to be more upset about Obi-Wan, who we just met the day before. I noticed Anakin could get like burned to death. I know. (laughs) Luke's a different story entirely. That's a whole other panel worth of nonsense. I can get into that. Trying to turn on back his emotional dependencies. Yeah. I'm sure he was in shock too. He must have devastated. Yes. Obi-Wan as, mm-hmm. as, as father figure. Yeah, yeah because he just, just went through trauma. Well, yeah, absolutely. Plus, yeah, plus he's told that, you know, he fought in the war with, or he knew his father, right? And he's all, it shows that he's always had this, like I'm sure most people would, with knowing that they never got to know their father, but you're hearing these stories about them, especially his aunt and uncle not really talking about him mm-hmm. too much to kind of hit him away. Mm-hmm. So then whenever finally he meets somebody that does know about his father and actually works side by side with them, that's got to be suddenly latching, like you said, onto that father figure moment, right? Which is he's fun, he's nurturing. Yeah. 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 He's everything he wanted for a father. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> In um, in retrospect, do you think it was a mistake for the prequels not to focus on uh, Obi Wan and his failure as a mentor instead of focusing on Anakin's fall itself? 
you think that that would have been more powerful that Anakin as a supporting I, character? We've had it's that. Interesting, yeah. It's an interesting perspective. We've for had sure, that yeah. question before whenever we t did a previous podcast, and it's called In Defense of Anakin, where we were guest stars on it again because I'm a huge Anakin fan and I have a whole defense on it. So please listen to it because I swear it's legit. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think it's hard because I it's, I don't necessarily think that it was truly Obi Wan's downfall. Um, I feel like obviously with the Master, you have that direct link in line for how to be helping train and raise them essentially especially from children usually they're younger than when we see our Anakin and they're younger than that but uh he has so many outside influences like he is in the pocket of the emperor without even knowing he's in the pocket of the emperor mm. from his teens they're right hideous. exactly yes. yeah, yeah. yeah so, he, had a, he had a tall order to begin with by training someone who was older and already established um to, to speak nothing of Sidious's tampering and the war going on on top of just uh, becoming a knight himself to taking on a Padawan immediately. Yeah. He, his chances of failure were pretty high. Pretty already. high, <laughs> unfortunately, but yeah. Not to mention the base. One thing that really bothered me about the Clone Wars, so for all their do, all their wisdom, at the end they're just a bunch of suckers to Palpatine. Yeah. Yeah, he's and a little blinded. Yeah. And you know they won't find out the truth until it's too late. Yes, yeah. yeah. Which is one thing in retrospect that movie does very well. Um, with Palpatine is setting him up as oh, they did it. Yeah, uh, I think they did a good job at just subtly setting him up for what he's about to become. Yeah, there's he, Ian McDermott plays it greatly um, mm -hmm. because there's a moment where Pad, Padme defies him. Yes, so she's going back to Naboo, and you can, you can so many ways, so many layers behind his performance in that moment where he's like, yeah, he's, he's trying to calculate totally his, plan. his entire plan because she was supposed to not go back to Naboo, and she's just theory. like, I'm out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And the Padme is actually something that you're very passionate about as well. Yes. Um, and she, I feel, didn't get a, uh, her full uh, service or full justice through the rest of the prequels. So, no. Um, <laughs> well, how do, how, do, how do you feel about Padme's role in this movie um, in terms of what she could have been? Uh, yeah, I think that episode one definitely did a great job at portraying one of the first like strong female characters that wasn't A, overly sexualized, B, a younger woman, and then showing that she's in a powerful leadership position. She's the queen of Naboo, right? And uh, not only that, it's she was elected into it is how mm -hmm. their system works, which is even more fantastic that her people wanted her in that role. And it like I love the one part that I saw right at the beginning. I was like, that was a code is whenever she has her decoy playing her and they're talking but being like it, it was just really cool well, that the, the dialogue it'll be, it'll be dangerous it'll be dangerous we're all brave yeah we're all brave my queen is what she yeah. said and you're like oh you know that that's her asking permission to do something from the real queen so like she set up this whole thing with all of her handmaidens and mm -hmm. decoys to like have this whole center plot to to be able to do everything she wanted to do and then yeah at the end of the day stands up and ignores what she's being told to do being like no my people need me at this country my people need me here i'm gonna be there because that's where i should be so i feel like episode one set her up as a very very strong passionate character i do feel like episode two and three diminish that a little bit because of the whole like love for uh anakin situation mm -hmm. but and i still feel like it's kind of vanishing after yeah <laughs> but i do feel like that they portrayed her very very well in episode one as like a powerful especially she's 14 so like as a powerful young woman to to be in that position is great do you feel like she kind of lived up to the example of princess leia um, and Carrie I, fisher personally i think that she surpassed it 
because Princess Leia, like, you don't actually ever get to see her in a political role on how she does with countries. You see her in, like, kind of a war zone. You see her manipulate her two, you know, boys between Luke and Han a lot. But you don't get to actually see her in, like, that hardcore position of how it's implied. Mm -hmm. but you never actually get to see it one-on-one. -on -one. Whereas it's cool with episode one, you can actually see Padme in position as a queen, her stepping forward, being like, actually, I'm the queen. Like, just the whole setup yeah, like is you, great. You see her more as a general uh, yes. than an actual politician yes. or princess or royalty. Or exactly. Royalty. Well, being on the front lines too, running into battle with her blaster. Yeah, she was doing that. Like, sure, she was just as her handmaid, but either way, she could still get hurt, but she's right in there with yeah. the Jedi with her blaster, getting right in there with it to protect her people. Mm -hmm. Good question over there. Yeah. Let's say it's 1997, and George Lucas phones you up and asks your advice mm -hmm. on what era or what period, time period, to set the next trilogy in. And if the second trilogy doesn't exist yet, what would you say? I, I would stick with the prequels, I'd say. Um, I think Anakin's story needed to be so explored. Did, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I would stick with that. I would change other things. <laughs> I would tell him to hire a different director and take it all himself. Because there, there are times, even not even just in Star Wars and other properties, Game of Thrones, for example, like you have people trying to do too many things where I think they'd be better suited off. You know, stay in your producing lane. Get someone to get the right yeah. writer, get the right director. So you um, do, it's just moving the time frame forward from the third movie. Yeah, like I, I, I might change that like the, like the exact years that it takes place because this is 12 years before new hope or something like that um 19 years sorry um i might i might move that around a little bit but um that and anakin's story i think needed to be told it, people wanted it to be told is the mm -hmm. big thing like people right. wanted to know how darth vader became darth vader so mm -hmm. hey with Someone that actually did right as good as Lawrence Kasdan. Yeah. Yeah, that's Kasdan's absence was kind of <laughs> it was <laughs> noted. It was noticeable. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like there's there's a big compulsion whenever someone has a mask in, in literature or movies or anything. Just to, you want to see what's behind it. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we needed to see who Anakin Skywalker really was after yeah. seeing Darth Vader. Right. There's definitely argument for then you ruin the mystique behind it. It's like never meet your hero, right? Because you'll mm -hmm. always be disappointed. And I feel like that's what happened never with Darth villain. Vader is because he was this amazing epic villain, especially for the time he was like one of a kind for what he brought to, to the theater. And then, uh, and then so people wanted to know that and we gave it to them. And then a lot of people that wanted to know that were then disappointed by it. But I think that's mm -hmm. every franchise ever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'll just remember, yeah, that's, there's that's Doctor Oh yes, yeah. And they saw they saw but they showed his face quite prominently in yes. the story. Yes, mm -hmm. yeah. Come back. Yeah. How did you feel about the fact like the droid army as and the stormtroopers of the prequel era? I mean because I was very young when the first movie came yeah. out, so I really loved yeah exactly yeah <laughs> yeah you know what I, I think I actually disliked them more back then as opposed to I don't find them that bad now to be honest like yeah. I don't know well what if anything the comedic by. well the comedy that the, the droids bring even past the first episode um, I I think I enjoyed more than perhaps the potential comedy behind the Gungans, um, which I yeah. think well, I think we all kind of agree was a bit much like um, the Gungans humor felt very forced yeah. Whereas, you the know, droids. the droids are just bumbling droids. We've, we've yeah. seen yeah. droids like that throughout the whole series between yeah. R2 and C-3PO and like how they are a little bit whimsical. Yeah. So having like that kind of battle droid as well, again, sometimes it's a little bit, they're like, oh, where are you? Like that kind of thing, like was a bit much. But again, they are trying to bring that for the kids. And as a kid, I think that I, mm -hmm. like you appreciated that, like you said, yeah. you enjoyed it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Not to mention it allowed, it allowed uh, for, for the Jedi to go full before uh, slashing up the whole... Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Ye
it should really see them the gore everywhere. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then at the point, it's it's people they're hunting. Like even if they are, even depending on where your the stance is, your clones or whatever, right? It's still people versus droids. So yeah, it made it a bit easier that way too. Yeah. <laughs> Although they are very effective because they don't fire. No. <laughs> they just kind of stand there. That was our yeah. comment for while ever scenes like, well, why are they just standing there, like not Holding shooting while they're just yeah. standing there? Program these things. Yeah. Yeah. You had a question? Yeah, just wondering if looking back at it 20 years later, if there's anything that really stood out as being much better than you remember. Because you sort of mentioned the droids a little. Was there anything that really stood out like, whoa, I didn't realize how good that was? Do you guys have any thoughts? <laughs> well, like I said, the. <laughs> um, once again, I think just appreciating the, the lightsaber battles. I mean. And especially knowing how it happens in the original trilogy where it's just kind of like yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay cool um, but then really appreciating the difference between those two eras um, where, where when I was a kid I was just like ooh fighting yeah the would have been like the original trilogy yeah, I think just overall, I think the whole movie I, I enjoyed more now than I think yeah. I ever did before. I haven't watched it in a few years. Like, I, I watched everything before Force Awakens came out, and mm. I've rewatched other things since then, but I always kind of skip Attack or Phantom Menace um, just because a lot of it isn't entirely necessary you could say yeah it's drawn um, out in a few spare areas like if, if you've heard of the, of the machete order like some people cut it out entirely um which i think is a little oversimplifying but uh um yeah no I, I, oh just overall i had a better appreciation for yeah. it um like so the politics was better than i thought and yeah, yeah. well uh, things weren't as irritating although the gunkins were still just kind of it's kind well, of charger's just there. there in every scene you're there and, like, and you just he's not he's not being aggressively annoying it. he's just there yeah he he's just like, there why why, yeah. why did you bring him into yeah. onto tatooine to he's go search there. out parts yeah. like what what used to he bring there's, there's actually a great star Wars, or uh, sorry a great simpsons moment um i'm not sure if you guys watched a lot of simpsons but uh one episode they bring in like a new character to the teen scratchy show and they're trying to sell how radical and cool he is <laughs> like he gives me big poochie vibes like yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> no what you're talking about yeah charger sure is silly he is funny isn't he like it's a little Hamfisted. <laughs> yeah. Um, since the Disney acquisition, one of the biggest complaints that I've heard about the movies is that they tend to be ignoring the prequels. Um, I do think that this is kind of a mistake on Disney's part not to have a movie focused in that era or have aspects of it. And as a follow up, is there anything you'd like to see from episode one of the prequel era show up in future films? A great question. Yeah, um, I think yeah they, they they do get accused of that quite a bit. Although I think I think it's fair to a point because the public uh, the public opinion of the, of the prequels was very low when the when the acquisition went through. Mm-hmm. It's gone up a whole lot since. Yes, there's a lot of people who flock back to the prequels now that, that now that, that they're dissatisfied with the sequels. Um, but so now I think you might see them take more risks, not risks, but they might go back to it a lot more. Um, and you're starting to see more in the expanded universe too, like in comics and whatnot. Um, but yeah, there's, there's still nods to it in, in the new movies. Like uh, Hux says to Kylo Ren, or I'm sorry, Kylo Ren says to Hux, maybe we should get a clone army. There's, yeah. there's little nods all throughout it. I was gonna, yeah, I was about to mention that. For well, my yeah. thing is that yeah, there was the Clone Wars TV show that they that they did to kind of bridge that gap um, and really flesh out Anakin's character even more because I think that's people's biggest thing is that the prequels were all about how Anakin became Darth Vader and it almost felt 
like you missed parts of it between each episode. And Clone Wars does a great job of fleshing out the Obi-Wan relationship with him. Like they do a really good job. It was just left unfinished. So yeah, they are bringing that back. So I think that they are trying to address it. But yeah, I think that people's focus is that they're more interested in like what's going on now or the future or that kind of thing. So I think they're just trying to bridge gaps basically. Disney didn't need to make their own like claim. Like they yeah. just said, this is our new thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They need to so get that going separate, and then go back. Yeah, yeah and then go back and fill the gaps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. First of all, if only Jar Jar had been killed on the way. <laughs> 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 yeah. um, so I was wondering what you guys uh, felt about the shift of the, the Force from a more like religious aspect in the originals mm-hmm. to um, a more science-based or biology-based um, midichlorians. Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah the midichlorians, yeah. But yeah. Well, I, I would say, like, I, I, I think he can't, he tied his own hands, Lupus did. Um, they made him, he set up a lot of rules that would later on make some plot holes. Um, the whole, the whole codification of them, it made sense, it made, it made sense in an order because he kind of set them up as their own, like, mysterious, like, samurai type class in, in the original trilogy. Um, and then he went back and showed us, like, that's one thing that maybe should have stayed behind the curtain a bit more, mm-hmm. or maybe should have not made so rigid. Um, because it, it forces the whole love narrative down that one path, and it didn't need to go that way. And yeah, um, I, I, I definitely appreciate seeing it. I'm glad we did, because um, there's a certain it, 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 it makes for a really compelling claim in the Last Jedi. I think where you know they, the Jedi need to end. Yeah, like they were very corrupted. Like they were believing in science. Like the midi chlorians thing was the thing that was driving them to find new Jedi, and that led them astray. Like they were so blinded by this, and that's why Sidious was able to do everything that he did and turn the whole galaxy against them so yeah and i think they they do a good job of making it seem like for whenever the clone warrants happen and end and things like that it's like as if it almost feels like so many more decades should have happened between like episode three and episode four because whenever you see episode four it's like like oh that old religion i believe in that i'm like that was just a few years ago right yeah, how do you forget about and, them? yeah, yeah. It, right so like that definitely is is an issue but again people don't understand the jedi and i think that they keep with themselves a mystique we're seeing an inside look at the jedi so you have to try to think From of like the, the rest of an average person for how they would see the jedi they probably wouldn't quite understand it they don't they probably don't know about many corners so like oh it probably is a religious thing because it's all about feeling the force and knowing the force like Qui-Gon makes it feel very religious in episode one how he speaks even though he's the one that talks about the midichlorians as well because mm-hmm. he talks about you have to trust in the force and feel in the force and I, I, sen- I sense in the force that this is what's going to happen so I found that again it's hard not to love Qui-Gon's character because Liam Neeson did a fantastic job but then his character was super cool as well so I did think that Qui-Gon brought a good balance to that um, and I think yeah it's just trying to remember that we're seeing this cool inside look whereas the rest of the Republic wouldn't know all this backstory stuff to the Jedi, so they probably did just see it as like, oh yeah, you have that order. It's kind of like culty, right? Like, yeah, yeah. So yeah, definitely. So yeah, but definitely, I can I can see, especially the comment of the that old religion and nobody believes in that anymore. And then the Force choke happens, people are like, yeah, like yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. but there's a there's a separation there for sure. <laughs> and, and the expanded universe has kind of capitalized on that too, and like it's now kind of accepted that people didn't know what the Jedi were at the time. Yeah. Right. Um, they were mythical in their own time. Yeah. Um, so which just explains why they can fade away so quickly, I guess. Yeah. yeah that's one that's one thing I do find compelling about how they set it up is that you know, they're they're seen as like the the sword arm of the Republic. 
right. um, police state almost, especially when they become literally that. Well, yeah, they become the generals though, of the army. It's like, okay, who are you? But you're a space though, wizard, so great. Yeah. Yeah. Even though yeah. my joke is always, but Jedi never get involved in politics. They're never political. <laughs> Meanwhile, in every episode, they're always political. Yeah. They're used <laughs> as, as, as diplomats on a, yeah. on a political yeah. machine. Yeah. 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 Hello, ambassadors from the, yeah. uh, the Republic. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> hmm. um, any other questions? Yeah. Have you guys seen the space episode where they go see Captain Atlas or Space? I don't think I've seen Space that. Oh no, I no, but that. I'd love to because I love Simon Pegg. How did I not know about this? There, there is a great movie about the whole thing too. Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh, yeah, British sitcom and Simon Pegg. I'm sold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like I love Simon Pegg. Yeah. Oh, that explains it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> you won't like it. <laughs> no, there's room to make fun of it. I think. Too. Oh, you oh, have. We're to. not that rigid of yeah. fans. No. Like, oh, there's nothing to make fun of. Everything is great. Yeah, like, I, I, I love the robot chicken parodies. And, oh yeah. Or even like something, Family something, Guy. Yeah, something, their... something dark side. Like, yeah, no. Yeah. And like, then even on the one box set nowadays, they have a whole reel of things that people have done in pop culture, making fun of it. Yeah. yeah. Like you have to be able to kind of poke some poke some holes in it. Oh yeah. Burns all the Star Wars toys. There's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. a good yeah. movie about the whole concept too, fanboys about you know. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, fanboys! Yeah. That, yeah, that was a good and movie. It's about, about them to get, to get terrible shot for the whole, for the whole worth of all the other keeper. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that was a good movie too. Super emotional. Wasn't expecting to cry at the end of that one. <laughs> I haven't seen the Simpsons parody. So. No, oh, yeah. no. Yeah. It's not called the Pessimist. It's called something else. Yeah. And Homer is confused by all the politics. Yeah, that's not not surprising. I think (laughs) Homer especially, but again, I feel like most people, like I said, that was my big thing we mentioned in the beginning. As I was a nine-year-old girl watching this, and I thought it was such a cool film, and I'm just like looking at it now as an adult being like, how, like, how did I understand anything that was happening in this movie? <laughs> yeah, like I, like, I don't think I could show it to my daughter now. Like I've shown, I've shown her Force Awakens, and she was locked to the screen yeah. the entire time. But I, like, I don't think it's as engaging for kids as it as, as it I was portrayed it. You know, it's to, be. to be. Yeah, yeah. 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 So you know, like Jar Jar's there, but he's like I said, he's not doing anything. Yeah. He's just he didn't have Christian hate. Yeah. Well, again, speaking of getting a bad rap. <laughs> yeah. Definitely check out the episode we do. Can't deal with George Lucas' dialogue, but. He was he nailed evil Anakin, but I think that's partly to do with the writing. Because even even in this movie, like I was cringing when Anakin met Padme. Yeah, like it's it's cute kid talk, but just the way they're directed, even like did they seem really stiff and? There was a couple lines where yeah, it seemed like like, wow, you read that off a paper, but some of them genuinely were just like cute nine year old kid things. Are you an angel? Like, yeah. <laughs> Jake Lloyd, I expect to be kind of wooden because he's a kid actor. Like, yeah. You, yeah. You can't expect the world Great. from them. Yeah. But Natalie Portman was even, like, looked uncomfortable through the whole thing. And, like, she's not as performing as well as she did as, like, as, you know, Madala and everything. Yeah. Right. Um, just the whole thing just felt rough. <laughs> wow. Much like the romance in Attack of the Clones. In a sense, though, in a sense, though I kind of understand that because she's queen now. Like, she is, at least based on her role as queen, she's supposed to be wooden. And all of a sudden, she's playing a handmaiden. And she's not quite sure how to be emotionally and like how to flush out her her emotions because mm-hmm. as queen she's supposed to be the strong figure and all of a sudden she has a chance like the one time she actually smiles is like holy crap she's actually allowed to smile yeah yeah, yeah. and like I feel like I mean, yes maybe it is Natalie Portman as an actress when she was fourteen or whatever age she was when she did that but you know in a sense I can look at it and say well this is like the first time she's allowed to just go out and like be a part of the world and 
be herself rather than mm-hmm. the queen the or queen. whatever she was before she was elected queen. Yeah. Like it's a very eye-opening experience. Like I, I didn't know there was still slavery in the, in the yeah, exactly. Yeah. So exactly. So I think a lot of it. it is just like she's very shocked by the world and she's still trying yeah. to figure herself out as just a regular human mm-hmm. yeah. instead of a queen or a yeah. Politician. You could definitely perceive it more that way and then justify the discomforts that you feel when yes, watching the scenes. Yeah, she's thrown into uncomfortable situations. George Lucas has never known how to write romance. There's that too. You to be one talk about how basically trying to model off Dr. Shivago and completely screwed it up. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they, the classic influences are there for sure, yeah. but like even even down to the pod racing, like that's his love of street racing. Yeah, like he was into street racing as a kid. Like that's yes. the reason we have a fifteen minute segment of that. Yeah, we, we timed it. We, we timed, timed it. it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's rough. Yeah, we, we have like five minutes of, of Samuel Jackson as Mace Windu. I know. Yeah, that's <laughs> pacing issues. Every Star Wars has, movie has its issues with yeah. that. Oh, oh definitely. Um, they put their focus into something, and then that they run with it because they're like whoever's doing that part is like they're like they put themselves into this and see it for what they see it as, but then doesn't translate all the time to everybody else. I'm sure the people that are really into, you know, crafting and making vehicles probably thought the pod race seemed really cool. But yeah, for me, I was definitely like, it it needs to be there because it's supposed to show Anakin his reflexes, like Mm -hmm. that kind of thing, show that he wins himself his own, like, freedom kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, 15 minutes of it may be a bit much. (laughs) Imagine what it could have been like if his wife was still married. Yeah. And his wife could try anything. Yeah, because Marsha had a big role in the original. Yeah. So it would be very interesting to see how it would have turned out yeah. in other hands. Yeah, but, uh, with other influences for sure. I was kind of I was, I was glad though that it has aged better than I thought it would. Yes, um, well, it's I think it's easier when you can see it as a whole. Like when it was individual, it's so hard. Like I said, especially because that's your direct comparison, the only Star Wars comparison people had to the original trilogy. Now that we have all these other episodes, we can see how the story's flushing out. You can have a way better appreciation for it twenty mm-hmm. years later. <laughs> and, and the expanded universe has done a great job of adding on to it as well, like right. tying yeah. all the threads together. Trying. Um, and at the end of the day, like, there's an hour and a half movie film that you're trying to flush out the story. And I, I think movies have a really hard time of actually making a coherent story that fits and makes sense and is entertaining in such a short amount of time. Yeah. And so to be able to add on to like extra, you know, novels and comics and TV shows and all that and just general media saying, oh yeah, this is what it was supposed to be. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay, that makes sense now. Like even there's a, there's a great local author, E.K. Johnston, just wrote a book about Padme and her handmaidens that's set after Phantom Menace. And rewatching the movie now, having read that, every scene with her in Qui-Gon and with her and her handmaidens is totally recontextualized. Yeah. Like, yeah. They, it, it breathed a lot of new life into it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, because you were saying that uh, in the book, it kind of makes it seem that Qui-Gon knows exactly that Padme. Yeah, like she, the, she's reflecting on Qui-Gon. She, he, she knows that he knew everything about her. So like yeah. every line, oh, yeah. the queen agrees with me. Yeah. yeah. Like he's daring and her basically yeah. reveal herself. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of times it didn't set up enough. Like mm-hmm. the problems with the prevention system, how they can they shoehorn everything to get into continuity. Yeah. Like, yeah. The, like the old, like last minute thing of Force Ghosts, they should have set that the possibility up in the Phantom Menace. Yeah, there's, and that's the reason why that movie is, you know, like one third of it is people walking down hallways having expository conversations. Like you're getting yes. all the story crammed into a bunch of right. yes, because when it could have been spread out a bit more evenly. Like yeah. Marsha could have probably fit, 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 fit it all much better. Yeah. yeah, or Kasdan or anyone. But, yeah. Yeah. Or if he didn't have 15 minutes of pod racing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so just to wrap up, where would you guys place this on your personal rankings of Star Wars films? Now? Oh my gosh. That is a challenging question, isn't it? <laughs> that is a challenging question. I don't know if I want to say. <laughs> Everyone appreciates Star Wars in their own way, and I think every take is valid, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll go first and say, you know, it's, it's, still, my, it's still my lowest ranked. 
but I used to put it a lot lower than the others just out of so like by a, by a bigger margin but now I say it's a lot closer like I, I, I feel mm. a lot better about it like I don't feel this negative yeah um, still not my favorite it hasn't moved up on my list personally yeah well but Honestly, like as watching it as a nine-year-old, I think it probably was higher up on my list of the Star Wars. I mean, I watched the original trilogy when I was, you know, maybe seven or eight, and then all of a sudden I got this new one, and like, oh, this is great! Look at all the great effects and the, you know, the CGI. I was like, it was it was exciting visually, and I think at that time it was like, oh, this is this 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 is the best. And so I think at that time I would say, yeah, it was my top favorite. But then of course, as you get these other films, you know. And as you get older and start to understand things a little differently, then yeah, probably a little lower. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's not. It's honestly not the lowest. It's my second lowest. Um, my first lowest, which people are gonna hate me for, is Episode Four because I can't stand Lenny Luke. I hate him that much <laughs> that I put him below Phantom Menace. It's him alone. I can't stand. Gotta go to the Tashi stage for my power. Shut up, Luke. I hate you. Shut up. Shut up. So yeah, that is the only reason why that ranks lower but yeah it still is lowest because again their phantom menace is almost it's there to set up episode two and three and then into darth vader so it's not meant to be i think this blockbuster crazy eye-opening experience it's the prequels of the prequels exactly yeah Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point yeah any other comments or questions yeah yeah no yeah you asked about that earlier no i don't think we haven't there's I've heard, I've heard about various projects like that, but uh, like you said, they're available on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna have to check, have to check them out yeah. for sure. Yeah. It's got, it's got the on it, so oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that yeah. sounds really interesting. Let's check yeah, it out. definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Right, excluding Duel of the Fates, uh, what was your favorite moment in episode one? That's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that's always been one of my favorite Star Wars moments ever since the movie came out. Like the, I, I would pop the movie in just to just watch, to watch that, yeah, that part, scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a very good question. Mm. Uh, let's see, you guys have any thoughts to come up to mind? Well, that one is your favorite scene. So, of yeah. course, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, way to ruin my. <laughs> Watching actually, I'll, I'll I'll step in. Qui Gon dealing with Watto. Qui Gon on Tatooine is great. Like mm. I, I really appreciate Qui Gon. I've always loved the character, but like again, he was like the quintessential Jedi, and I just realized right. it more and more the, the, every time I watch this movie again. Um, he was what the Jedi should have been at that time. And yeah. So just seeing just seeing him deal with. With Anakin, like Anakin's asking, "Are you a Jedi?" And he goes, "Maybe I killed a Jedi." Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was a good yeah. line. Yeah. Just a cool guy. There are, there are little <laughs> moments in the prequels that are brilliant, brilliantly, brilliantly, brilliantly directed and acted, and that's that's one of them. Yeah, but, but I don't know about being the identity. So it's just that getting Anakin, and Joseph Jordan directed, he brought disaster to the galaxy. Yeah, one way or another. Yeah. Do you guys have any moments? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah, so I guess my favorite moment outside of that, obviously, because I guess I can't even choose like Qui-Gon's death scene as in a moment. But yeah, if not, then I guess my moment would probably be um, when you first enter, enter the council scene, because that is a really cool moment to see them all in their circle, in their chamber as like the Jedi. It's your first time you're seeing the Jedi in their prime at their height. And so I thought, oh. especially Samuel Jackson is there, like you can't go wrong. So yeah, whenever it's the first Qui-Gon entering with that and that whole conversation scene, I really liked that scene. I thought it was 
really well done. Yeah. It was supposed to give you this feeling of hierarchy. You see Yoda in this place of power and not this crazed old puppet man. Like, very, very cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For sure, that's definitely up there for sure. Because yeah, you crazy old nine hundred year old Yoda yeah. is now all of a sudden a very different. I want to say prime because it's only twenty years, you know, before that. But um, yeah. he ate some things on. Uh, <laughs> I feel like that scene sort of sums up what the prequels have done best out of the three years, right? Now, mm-hmm. Which is show you a galaxy that is in fact full of culture and yes, cultures, culture, culture, everything. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, agreed. Especially in like two and three, whenever there's a lot more council room stuff. I remember like seeing it on the big screen at that point because as a teenager, I'll have to go to the movie theater um, thinking that those parts were really cool because Mm. same thing, you saw all these different Jedi and you're like, oh, so we're only getting this one small itty bitty portion of like the whole thing that's happening behind the scenes. Yeah, Mm -hmm. there's there's what one actual, well, two actual humans on the council at that point. Like there's. Mace Windu and Dapa Balava, like that's, mm. that's well, it. and then yeah, you look at so it speaks uh, to the diversity for sure. Yeah. The original trilogy is like, yeah, the rebellion's run by humans. Great, yeah, yeah. So it's cool <laughs> yeah, all, to see all white male humans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right, uh, thanks for coming, guys. Uh, yeah. Really appreciate your questions. Yeah, so thank you. Almost got us killed. Are you brainless? I spec. The ability to speak does not make you intelligent. If you enjoyed this episode, please like it and tell a friend. We are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and wherever else podcasts are free. New episodes every third Friday. Don't forget to subscribe on your service of choice so you never miss a new discussion. Got a question or comment on today's episode or anything else in the Star Wars universe? Drop us a line on Twitter at Kyber Club or on Facebook and Instagram at Quarter Portion Podcast. Your opinions and questions are worth 60 portions to us. Ask a question and we'll gladly answer on the show. Check out coverclub.com for all of our contact information as well as our blog. You can find Pat on Twitter at Django Fletch and on YouTube at Wilderness Wisdom. And you can find me, Chris, on Twitter at Hugathy. Until next time, may you be one with the Force, and may the Force be with you. Do you have a vision for a cosplay prop, novelty item, or other project, but don't know how to make it without breaking the bank? Nerdful Things has you covered. Ontario's 3D printing experts are committed to quality and affordability. They can forge everything from convention-friendly prop weapons, to masks and helmets, to small embellishments like belt buckles or pauldrons. You might even find a unique nerdy gift for friends. Check out their gallery and request a quote at www.nerdfulthings3d.com.